Azarotha history is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Azeroth the History, a look into the history of Azeroth and how it pertains to World of Warcraft today. I'm your co-host, Bam Bam Anderson. And I'm your co-host, Tony Stark, a.k.a. Senpai. Alright, so, this is like our first, like, kind of Shadowlands sort of episode, and I'm so excited. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. So, peek behind the curtain, we're recording this before the actual launch, like, literally four hours before the launch. So, <laughs> and I know this episode comes out after, but just be aware of that. Jarvis, no, stop doing that. Um, hey. Yeah, so, today we're going to talk about somebody that we've talked about in kind of conjunction with Arthas. We're going to talk about Uther the Lightbringer. And because his story is a little bit short before we, you know, see him in Shadowlands, we're also going to talk about Draka, who's, like, super badass, and I love her. But, before we do that, we need to report on our favorite Forsaken to Hate, uh, Nathanos Blightcaller. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, what's up with that guy? That I stupid blight on this world. He is a blight on this world. Okay, I was a little sad that we didn't get to, like, actually kill him ourselves, but, like, also, the way he died was pretty fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we go find Nathanos at his home in the Plaguelands. Great detective work, right? And he's like, he, <laughs> it's one of the Snyder remarks, he's like, congratulations, you found me at the most unlikely of places, my very own home. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a lot of sass coming from the dumbass who was hiding out at his own house. I mean, he is, he is like, super, super sassy, though. Like, that, like that, he's just snide, and, yeah. Um, and he's, like, he's just snide to us the entire fight. And then he he also uh, disses on Sarafang again. <sighs> Bastard. Um, but, yeah, we get interrupted, though. An arrow kind of flies through the air and pins Nathanos against the wall. I love it. Oh, I love it. Because Tyrande comes out. Yes, she does! And then his plague hounds try to attack her, and they're just like, they're just taken out like it's no big deal. Like, yep, nope, bye. Oh, man, she scares me for all the best reasons. <laughs> 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 My favorite part of this entire cinematic is the look that she gives him as he picks up his axes to fight her, because she's just like, bitch, please. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna fight those little things? <laughs> Pretty much. I also like that she's, uh, like, she's wielding glaives, which are, you know, much like Illidan's weapon of choice. I like it. Yeah. Um, so then... <laughs> <laughs> so then she deals a few blows, uh, and then ends up, like, kind of questioning him before she actually kills him with her blade to his neck, and... We don't actually see how he dies. We just kind of see his body slump over, which is fine. And this is after him remarking- I want the gore! I know, but it's a rated T for T game. It's fine. 
What? Teens can't handle arterial spray? Come on. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I think that can, I think that falls under mature. I think. Ugh. Boo. Y- you know, gaming rating systems. Um, but yeah, he's he's still snide to the very last second because he's like he's like you know this is just gonna, just gonna put me back at Sylvanas' side, which is true because every soul goes to the mall and he's gonna die and then he's gonna go to the mall, so he's gonna be there. And so it's fine. And so he's like, he's like, I really don't care. Um, but yeah, and then she walks away in, like, this should have been a victory for her, except she kind of, I don't know exactly, like, how to explain this. Like, it, it's almost like she doesn't feel like it was enough. Yeah, because we didn't get to fucking see no na- nasty-ass gore fest. She's like, shit, I could have killed him so much better. I mean, aside from that. But, yeah. Um, my hope for this at some point uh-huh. is that Nathanos gets to be either a raid boss or a dungeon boss. I don't really care. I just want to be able to go kill him over and over again after this. So we'll see <laughs> what happens. We'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, what shall I do today? I think I'll go kill Nathanos again for the ten hundredth time. Well, it's like, it's like you know, you're having a bad day. You'll take it out on somebody you hate. Well, there you go, Nathanos. like he's a great villain in that i really want to kill him over and over oh that's fair so onward with the rest of our stories for today so first we're going to talk about uther the lightbringer um so his story is actually kind of short which is why i kind of added another story to this episode um at the time of the First War, Uther was a cleric apprentice to Archbishop Alonza's Fowl, and he served as, like, a spiritual advisor and mentor for Uther. Um, before the war, he had already, like, he was already an accomplished knight at this point, so, like, him just kind of, like, starting to apprentice clericness, cler- I don't know exactly what to say, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Clericisms? I feel like that's not an actual word. <laughs> but it sounds like a word. It, so if people use it enough, the dictionary will be like, hey, guess what? That's true. It's a word now. Oh my god, that's true. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> okay. Um, Alright, so with the fall of Stormwind, the Archbishop started to realize that Faith alone was not going to be able to stop the forces of evil in the world. And so he oh, had I mean, this... thoughts and prayers are worthless? <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I will say, in the Warcraft universe, like, praying to the light, like, there's there's an inherent power in the light. Not so much the same here, but there is an inherent <laughs> power. <laughs> it's it's how, you know, it's, it's how Anduin gets a lot of his power. It's how a lot of priests get a lot of their power in this world. That... that but yeah, that's that that is very different to how the real world world works. Um at okay. least at least that we can prove. So far, anyway. Um So yeah, so he has this idea of creating the Knights of the Silver Hand, and it's the first order of paladins. The basic explanation of a paladin is a priest that can fight. Like that's that's it. Priest that can fight. Basically. That's that's actually helpful because I was always just kind of like thinking 
Aladdin with like a little extra. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe it's just the way Draco pronounces Aladdin because, like, he just really loves putting that stanky ass on it. Water! Paladin! <laughs> just because, you know? Oh. oh dear. I might not survive today's episode. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, Fowl appointed the first five paladins, Uther being the very first and therefore the leader, along with uh, Sidon Dathrahan, Tyrion Forgering, Turalyon, and Gavadrad. Uh, and then each one of them was given a Librum that, like, specifically represents, a, represents the core traits of the Order of the Silver Hand, as set forth by Archbishop Fowl. Um, we have like a terrible name for an archbishop. Like, I hear that, and I'm just like, oh, so he sucks. I mean, I might also be pronouncing it wrong. It's F A O L. Foul. Well, no, that sounds right. That's how I've heard other people say it, so I'm going to say keep saying it that way until proven no, otherwise. That's fair. That's fair. That's the importance of letters, I guess. <laughs> um,. Now, we haven't fully talked about the Second War for the most part, so we're I'm not going to delve too much into it, but obviously Uther was part of the Second War. Um, a lot of the basis of it was the orcs were trying to carve out some room for themselves on this new planet, and they did so in horrible, horrible ways. <laughs> um, and the Knights of the Silver Hand were actually very key to victory over the Horde overall, but... Um, not all was well with the alliance of Lordaeron in those days. Uh, Uther set out to care Darrow on Darrowmere Lake, uh, and when he got there, he was ambushed by Alterac pirates during the uh -oh. battle. So, Alterac is one of the kingdoms of humans. I think we've talked a little bit about them before, uh, but that, like, he, that they were part of the alliance of Lordaeron. Um, when the pirates from Alterac were captured by Uther's forces and questioned, a conspiracy was uncovered. Um, their king, Aiden Perinold, he, first of all, he initially did not want to jo join the alliance. Um, and he only did so because he feared that, like, if he didn't, they might leave him alone against the Horde. So, he joined basically under duress, I guess, from his perspective. Um, except that he also did some shit. <laughs> Paranold's a dick. Um, when, th when the war started kind of looking a little bit grim for the Alliance, uh, he started supplying the orcs with information in exchange for the survival of his kingdom. Sounds and, like some kingly you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, yeah, but against your own allies? That's not right. Ally schmally. Uh, he also arranged for a, co a convoy of elves to be ambushed by trolls, you know, leading to death. Um, and he also started a peasant revolt as a cover for some mining operations that were going on as well. So, like, he's doing some shit. And that's all before trying to have Uther assassinated. 
I mean, I just gotta say it. Like, it's gotta be said. Like, he's a fucking pirate. He's the king of the pirates, and, like, y'alls are surprised that he's doing some shady dealings. Like, that's kind of like the pirate code. But he's not a king of the pirates. He's just the king of Alterac, and he hired the pirates. But that right there shows you that he's willing to work with pirates. That's true. I, I don't think it was very well known that he was willing to work with pirates, though, at the time. And that's what makes him so trustworthy on the front. But once you know, you know, and it's like, bro, you shady. Shady AF. Um... Alright, so after the war, though, Uther turned his attention to keeping the peace in Lordaeron. Uh, he started training young Prince Arthas, uh, and he also accompanied King Terranus with some diplomatic missions as well. Um, and then when Arthas became a paladin officially, Uther actually gave him a pair of ceremonial shoulder plates to, like, you know, give him the blessing, basically. Um... Later on, when word came of a new war chief rallying some of the orcs against their oppressors, uh, Uther would not, would, he, he tried to work very hard to, you know, quell the uprisings, but he was never able to find the war chief. And we have not, we've talked a little bit about that, but we haven't fully got into that yet. Maybe that'll be our next episode. Alright, uh, the beginning of the third war meant that Uther would be pressed into service again. Um, he aided Arthas against some orcs that had been raiding a town within the kingdom. And then we don't see him again until Jada comes rushing to get him. Um, this is when she comes rushing from Hearthglen. So, the Scourge is attacking Hearthglen. Arthas sent Jaina to go get help. Jaina gets Uther. And then the two of them show up to a very, you know, shell-shocked Arthas. Because of what happened to the city. And then this is when they head to Stratholm. So we've talked about this. Um, and this is where Arthas ordered the city to be purged, whether they had actually been infected by the plague or not. And then when Uther refused, Arthas charges him with treason and then relieves him of command and then sends the paladins away. So, like, Uther oh. came with, like, you know, help. <laughs> and Uther's like, and then like, as soon as he's like, no, you have to kill this city. Uther's like, fucking no, excuse you. <laughs> That's a dramatic reaction. Kind of, yeah. Let's just kill them all. Yep. And then, so after Uther, or after Arthas sets off for Northren, Uther goes and talks to King Terranus, and he he's like. They basically decide, like, yeah, something's going on with Arthas, probably from stress of what happened in Hearthland. We should probably help him. So they send an emissary to bring Arthas home. Um, that emissary never came back. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Arthas killed him. Um, like, we need you to come back here unstable. He's like, what? I'm unstable? I'll show you unstable. Stable. Basically. Arthas did eventually come home, only to kill his father with his, you know, new rune blade Frostmourne. Yay. Well, yeah, you gotta, like, consecrate that blade in daddy blood, otherwise is it even worth it? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, 
Teridus had been cremated and his ashes were placed in a magical urn. Uh, Uther took it to another city, Andor Hall, where he would personally guard it. And Arthas sought the urn for other purposes that we haven't gotten into yet. And this is kind of where we come into the afterlife cinematic. There's the standoff between Arthas and Uther. This is shortly after their, like, the, kind of the bulk of their battle. Um, Uther had originally been winning that fight. And then Arthas ended up getting the upper hand due to powers from the Lich King. Um, and Arthas ends up killing his, you know, former mentor. Um, and then this is kind of all we knew, aside from, like, some ghostly appearances throughout um, Burning Crusade and Wrath. When Uth Uther does appear to us at one point and warns us that there must always be a Lich King. Um, but with the afterlife cinematic, we get to know a little bit more about Uther's soul after he passed on. Oh, yeah. So, a little glimpsey glimpse into that afterlife, yo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he passed into Bastion, which is like kind of a subsection of the Shadowlands. And he's training to become a Kyrian. Uh, these are kind of the spirits whose job it is to ferry the souls into the Shadowlands, basically to the Arbiter to be like judged and like, and then deliver them to where they need to go. Um, I am gonna leave a note here. This is not the end of Uther's story. Uh, a lot of stuff is in beta and is about to be live in three and a half hours. Dear God. <laughs> Such exciting times! But some of it might change, so I'm not going into it. I also didn't actually play through it on purpose. So, um, yeah. We're only going to go into the uh, information given in the cinematic. Uh, Uther's trainer, Devos, uh, she notices that Arthas, or that Uther is somehow stuck. Like, he, like he's trapped or broken. And she doesn't understand it yet. No matter how hard he, hard he trains, no matter how hard he meditates, he isn't able to ascend. Um, and so, at one point, he straight up asks her, like, how can he forget when he still feels his blade? And so this is when Devos finds, you know, the, like, huge gash on Uther's soul left by Frostmourne. And so she, like, she's able to touch the, the mark and, like, kind of see what happened in the final moments of Uther's life. And when he's stabbed by, by Frostmourne, we can actually see his soul splitting in two. And then part of it goes into Frostmourne, and then the rest of it kind of, you know, goes off. Thrilling soul adventure. Right? Ooh. I bet it's flying on a rainbow. <laughs> I mean, it probably got picked up by a Kyrian and then brought... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but then Devos kind of brings this news to her superiors, uh, and she's basically told, like, yeah, this is above your pay grade, just forget it, trust our ways. And then she's like, so she walks away with obviously no intention of forgetting what the fuck just happened. <laughs> There's somebody running around with the power from the Maw. This, you know, this, this is not right. This, she knows it. So she goes back to Uther. Um, she ascends him. And then she promises him vengeance the second that Arthas dies. So this all happened before Arthas actually died. 
And as Arthas takes his final breath atop Ice Crown, he actually sees, like, Devos and Uther there to collect his soul. Rapro. <laughs> and so they claim his soul, and they're going to throw him directly into the Maw. And Uther hesitates for just a second, and remembering that Arthas was once his student. And, like, oh, I... That voice. That voice where he's like, he was my student. Oh, it's... It's heartbreaking. Breaks your heart. It really does. They they did a good job. Um, and then with one final push from Devos, he casts Arthas into the Maw, claiming justice. Uh, and that's where we kind of leave off with Uther until we meet him again in the Shadowlands, where we'll be meeting him in Bastion. This is public knowledge. Sorry for like the slight spoiler, but I, I didn't even actually research past that. I, I know there's a little bit more that happens, um, but I I haven't fully delved into it myself. Yeah, that that nice is knowing you, Uther. Cool story, cool story. Right. So yeah, that is pretty much it for Uther. Now I do want to tell you about somebody else, but first we have to check the auction house. Ooh. If you like what we do, consider donating through our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/SenpaiAndBamBam. Senpai has two. If you're unable to do that, we would also appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or any other podcast service that you use. It helps open us up to a wider audience. You can also share us with your friends, or your families, or your guildies, or whoever, really. But, like, just make sure that you're sending them the links through the interwebs and not uh, shoving our podcast in their face directly because social distancing. Yes, please do so safely and social distance. Um, Catch Art Machinima with Bam Bam series, which is available to patrons a week early and goes up weekly on Tuesdays. If you have any suggestions for that, we do take them on Discord or by email, or I'm on Twitter if you want to hit me up there. So many places. Mm -hmm. Also, if you want to get in touch with us over on Discord, there will be a link in the show notes on the website to join that. It's open to everyone with a patron-only section. And if you want to come hang out with me on stream, uh, watch me probably fail at being a druid over the next few weeks. <laughs> um, I stream on Twitch uh, forward slash senpai90. So that that's fun. Um, I stream mostly raids and then like really just kind of everything right now because I don't know what I'm doing yet. This expansion. it's I'm playing it by ear. <laughs> Winging it! Yep. We also have a merch store! It's on Teespring. It's linked with Twitch, and you can get our logo on a shirt or a, or a mug, as well as Creative Conundrum's logo. That is Senpai's other podcast that they do with our friend, mm-hmm. Doc. Oh, the magical, wonderful Doc. Yes. And uh, we also have stickers as well on the Squiddyverse website, so go and check out all of those wonderful little goodies. Also, those t-shirts are so comfy. Like, really, like, they are actually super, super comfy. I really like my shirt. So, yeah, Teespring shirts. Woot woot. I'm happy about it. And my bug is awesome. Um, All right. Let's get back into some Warcraft lore.
so now it's time for Draka. <laughs> my... I don't know what else to call her aside from, like, the person that I will absolutely bow to every chance I get. Um... <laughs> Uh, Draka is an orc. Uh, when she was born, she was actually very weak and sickly. They've never actually stated, like, what kind of illness she had, but it ended up causing all of the orcs to discriminate against her and her family, and they were forced to move to the outskirts of the Frostwolf village by Garad, the chieftain of the Cross Frostwolf clan. Well, damn. Yeah, like, basically, it kind of, like, it brought dishonor kind of thing. Uh, Dishonor on, on your cow! <laughs> oh. oh, it's so true. I mean, they don't have cows, but yeah. <laughs> don't they kind of have cow faces? Uh, orcs don't. No, there's nothing really cow- I guess- I guess the closest would be a Talbuk. Um, which are more like gazelle, though. They don't really have cows on Draenor. Anyways. Well, then that dishonor on their cow is extra and meaningful because, like, they don't even have cows. But you done didn't dishonored it, so figure it out. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, anyways. Uh, when she was a teenager, Draka met with Mother Kesher. Uh, who's an elder shaman of the Frostwolf clan. Uh, she wanted, she like, she wanted to be able to, like, you know, attend celebrations and stuff, and, like, go on hunts and stuff with the clan. Uh, but she didn't want to bring disrespect onto the clan, so honor forbid her from actually partic participating in anything. And so she wanted a cure for her illness. Uh, so Mother Kishore promised her potion that would cure her, but she would need three key ingredients. The wing feather from a windrock, the horn of a talbuk and some fur from a cleft hoof. I don't know what a cleft hoof. Okay, a windrock is a big bird. Talbuk is kind of like a gazelle. I guess a cleft hoof would be like a rhino. Anyways, um, so I'm gonna recap here. Sickly teenage orc girl heads out into the frozen wastes to hunt down the shit on her own because no one's allowed to join her. Um, and she's not allowed to join anybody else. So, this takes her, like, a few months, and then she finally comes back to Mother Kishore with, with all the ingredients. And then Mother Kishore's like, oh yeah, by the way, you don't actually need a potion. It's that hunt that you just did, that's, that's what makes you strong. <laughs> and she, like, but, like, that's still super fucking badass. And this is why I will bow to this woman for the rest of my life. <laughs> Uh, and so she's able to attend celebrations, uh, and she goes to, um, it's a biannual celebration of the clans called the Kosharg. Uh, and here she caught the eyes of Orgrim, who's an orc visiting from the Blackrock clan, and Durotan, the son of the chieftain of the Frostwolf clan. I like this. So Durotan, being a smooth talker that he is, he invites Draka out on a hunt. Which, oh, like, yeah, he does. Oh yeah, like, in in usual terms, this basically means like, yeah, I'm asking you out kind of thing. I want to take you as my mate. And she's like, yeah, I'm too young to take a mate right now, so like... I'm just, just... having fun. I'll go on the hunt with you, but like, I get to keep whatever we kill. 
based kind of i don't know if it was necessarily like that but yeah uh and so Durtan's like well no it's just gonna be a hunt and nothing more so they set out on this hunt uh Durtan ends up getting injured by a wolf but they're able to kill and capture their kill and you know take their prey and then draka announces you know i've reached adulthood today and they become a couple yay 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 i like it anyway Anyways, uh, eventually the dark portal was created and opened uh, from Draenor to Azeroth. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, the Frostwolf clan, which was then led by Durotan and Draka. So Durotan's the chieftain at that point, And Draka's his mate. Oh, yes. Um, uh, they follow the rest of the orcs uh, through the portal after taking the demonic curse. Uh, and they're later exiled from the orcish horde. Uh, and they find a home in Alterac Valley. So that, that old kingdom from before? Yeah, that's where they find their home again. Um, oh. Before they left, though, uh, they did visit Durotan's mother, where, you know, they told her, you know, Draka's pregnant, and this child will be named Goel. Uh, so they... Dang, he yeah. moves quick. Mm, well, okay, they're, like, they're kind of like... I guess, like, 15, 16, when they first go on that hunt. I think this is about, like, 10 years, maybe 15 years later that the Dark Portal oh, happens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's it's never, like, specifically stated in terms of timeline that I've been able to find. But, yeah, it's it's, it's about, like, 10, 15 years. Um, so, yeah, she, she gives birth to Goel on Azeroth. And then Durotan and Draka meet uh, with Orgrim later on to kind of inform Orgrim about like hey Gul'dan's not a good guy his shadow council's fucking evil as shit don't trust them <laughs> so Orgrim offers his guards as to accompany them home which was not a good idea because those guards were not loyal to Orgrim they were loyal to the shadow council oh no and they kill Durotan and Draka, and they leave the child to die in the frigid <gasps> cold. Wow. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, so then we come to the Shadowlands Afterlives for Maldraxxus. So we, we do see part of, like, Draka, like, the, the very final bit of Draka's life, where she's, you know, being betrayed by fellow orcs. And she's killed trying to protect her child uh, from from them. And then we next see her training, kind of in this afterlife. And she's, like, in life she learned to be a warrior, fierce and strong. And now she's learning kind of, like, more subtle ways of doing things. So she's learning to spy. And she's learning to, like, you know, attack in less obvious ways? More assassin-y ways? Yeah. We like some backhanded murder. Pretty much. And her mentor sends her off uh, from the House of Eyes, where she like was kind of first brought into Maldraxxus, uh, and she's sent to meet with the Margrave of the House of Chosen. Um, as she's heading out, she hears an explosion, and she turns to see like the headquarters kind of falling from the air. And 
as she like kind of calls to the others that are surrounding her, like, you know, we have to go help them. She realizes they're not here to help me. They're here to try and kill me. Uh oh. <laughs> and so she ends up making her she ends up actually killing her way through, getting to the house of the chosen. Um where she she's been sent a letter with a letter to Margrave Crexus. Uh as like as she's offering the key to saving Maldraxxus. And they both kind of like take a moment. They're like cuz she's like I wasn't given any key at all. And then she's like wait a second. I'm the key. And so uh Margrave Crexus is like a warrior and master spy. That that's a key to many things. So and then this is when she kind of like reintroduces herself in the short as Baroness of the House of the Chosen. Yes, she is. Yeah. So, you bet your ass I'm gonna be bowing to that woman. Because fuck yeah. Uh, and that's where we leave off with her so far. Um, I'm gonna skip some of the trivia because some of it actually spoils. Like, anything that I wanted to put in actually kind of spoils a bunch of stuff that I don't want to give away yet. Uh oh. <laughs> um. So yeah, I do have voices, though, for us. So Uther is voiced by Math Michael McConaughey. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I might be saying it wrong. He has so much work that he's done. Like, he's done a lot of anime. He's done a lot of stuff. He also worked on um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies from the 90s. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, in, in terms of WoW, he's also voiced the Lich King, which is basically the helm kind of like whoever's wearing the helm he is doing that voice while they're wearing the helm okay yeah cool uh he's I mean, also not anymore <laughs> yeah i don't know how that's gonna go but i mean he's still uther and so it's fine and he he, he does a lot of other voices as well <laughs> um he's also worked on code geass and dragon ball and like oh picking stuff out from his resume was not easy um, as for Draka, she's voiced by Lenore Andriel. Um, she also voices Ysera in WoW, the, the green dragon. Uh, but, uh, she doesn't have a ton of credits to her name on IMDb. I think she's more of a stage actor. Because, um, she also owned the Ritz Theater in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, wow. At age 21. Damn. So you go, girl. Right? <laughs> I will bow to this woman. Uh, she did, however, play Dr. Sarah Taylor in a movie called Yellow Rock, which apparently won a whole bunch of awards. So Sweet. go check that out. Yeah. And that's where we're at for today. And only a few hours out from the Shadowlands proper. I'm so excited. Which, I mean, will have been out for a little bit by the time you hear this episode, but it's, it's fine. Oh, yes. I'm sure we're all very excited to hear all kinds of wonderful things about Shadowlands. I mean, that's so wonderful. I am. I'm, I'm going to have been streaming it. I Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to go through. Oh. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, we would like to thank the Winnipeg Public Library. We usually record at the Millennium Library in their beautiful ideal mill maker space. But in taking everybody's health and safety seriously, they are currently closed and we are working from home. 
Uh, our intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod, and you can find all of his work on his website, incompetech.com. And our wonderful artwork is by our good friend, Ben Hoffer. His Instagram is scorpiosoka7 if you would like to check out more of his work. And he's opened up commissions, so be sure to follow him for more information about that. And we're done! Until next year! <gasps> bye bye Oh my god, it's crazy! Because, yeah, it's December, and we won't be back until 2021. Where hopefully things will be looking up for the future, and we'll be fine. It'll be great. Right? The magic of the new year will will twinkle down from on high, and oh, blessed be will be the us and the things. Yeah. That was a, <laughs> that was a good sentence. I stand by it. <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so thank you so much for joining us over the past year. We, yeah, we're, I'm so excited. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we got more machinima to do before the end of the year, but that that this is the bulk of it. And um, we didn't, pl I didn't plan anything for Winter Vale this year, so that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, I understandable. I mean, last year was really fun, but I think trying to organize a like zoom meeting D, D campaign would be pretty tough it, it, it'd be very way too difficult and i didn't want to do it so here we are thank you so much for joining us for this year we love you all three thousand um and we'll notice you next year bye also those jokes are definitely going to be continuing for the rest of the month bye <laughs> <laughs>